thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! And this is a this is a good one. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around, does Robbie Howe get credited for another tackle? Absolutely, he does. He might even get uh, a sack on that one. I don't know if if the if the if the tree was behind the line of scrimmage, it's a sack. Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana state. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcast fans. Well, we're happy to have you on another episode. Thorny, how you doing, buddy? Feels good to be back, man. I'm doing pretty good. And I do want to mention real quick here, this episode is brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, as all episodes are brought to you by them. How are you doing, my friend? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. You know, in the time of quarantine and the absence of football, I feel a little bit of a hole in my heart. Uh, but you and I are going to do our best to bring some Bobcat news for our, our listeners. Sounds good, man. Yeah, we, we brought on Paul Schwedelson, our first repeat guest i believe we talked about i think he's the first one we've had back on i mean we've had shane driscoll on a number of times but i think he's the first media member uh guest we've had on twice so it's exciting to have him back on to talk a little bit about uh well i guess it's not exciting news to talk about what is not happening this fall in bozeman no no it's not but yeah he comes on and uh he's gonna give us his thoughts and we thought that paul would be a little better choice than you and I riffing on the subject and Paul's a little bit more educated given he's a, a writer over at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. So uh, we just want to thank him, thank, thank him in advance again for coming on the show. And on the back end, uh, we filled some Golden Cooley questions. And so we'll, we'll bring those to you. Sounds good. And yeah, you're, you're right. Like you and I have kind of intentionally avoided talking about the cancellation, the NCAA, like our thoughts on all that, just because there's lots of other people talking about it, people who know, understand the situation better than us. But, you know, we had to get around to it at some point. We've, and that's kind of we, one reason we brought Paul on is because he knows it better than we do. And it was, he did a good job of kind of explaining some of the things that are happening. So let's get right into it. Here is our guest spot, I guess you could say, with Paul Schwedelson talking about cancellation of fall football at MSU. Right now, we welcome in friend of the podcast, Paul Schwedelson of the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. Paul, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming back on. Last time you were on, it was kind of a 
What did we talk about last time? It was basketball. It's kind of a get to know you. How do you came to Bozeman? Just an all encompassing thing. This one's not going to be quite as fun because it's not very good news we have to talk about. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for coming on. Paul, uh, first question we have for you, man, like what are you up to now that pretty much there is no fall sports? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, kind of what I've been doing at the paper since since March is kind of covering a, a mix of of news and, and, you know, some sports stories here and there, but, um, obviously it's uh, a lot of news going on too. So, um, still able to contribute in that regard. And, um, but, you know, just trying to pick up some new hobbies here and there, um, working on some Sudoku puzzles recently. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's been a mediocre replacement, I guess you could say. No more marathons. Uh, marathons, not in the mix right now. Um, but you never know what the future holds. There you go, buddy. So what's the vibe in Bozeman right now, Paul? I mean, kids are coming back to school. We're not there, but you're around campus. How's it feel? Yeah, I guess this is kind of a separate from, uh, athletics specifically. Um, but I, I was actually on, you know, doing a story on the first day of, of class of the first day of the fall semester. Um, and just talking to some, some students, um, then something that just stood out to me is just kind of a, a little bit of some anxiousness, uh, just not knowing whether or not the semester will be able to finish. Um, Montana state went, you know, they, they've had in-person classes and a lot of those have been modified in some sense to somewhat of a hybrid model where there's, you know, some parts of the class is, is online and other parts are in person. So, for example, if there's a large lecture, maybe that would be online because it's a bigger group of people and might be more difficult to have the distance between people and have everyone space out. And obviously bigger groups could potentially pose more risk uh, virus-wise. But then students were also really glad that they we're able to have at least some classes that were in person. Uh, so, and, and I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of merit to that. You know, I think everyone kind of just wants to be able to, you know, gather in person as much as possible within reasonable safety guidelines. And so there's a lot of mixed emotions uh, felt like from the students that I talked to. Um, and now that's already two weeks ago. So I don't necessarily know how that's, that's changed more recently, um, you know, and, and I guess, you know, we'll have to see how the semester goes, but it's definitely a weird, weird time. And it's, it's I think everyone's kind of maybe in a different place with that and has different feelings and thoughts and emotions. And um, it's just tough because you think of the college experience and just about every aspect of, of the college experience that, that we think about, you know, the prototypical American college experience, so much of it relates to large group gatherings in so many different senses um, and so many different aspects of life. And so I think that's, that's just a little tricky for, for a lot of students and um, you know, we'll have to see how the, how the rest of the semester goes, but you know, like I said, a lot, just a lot of mixed emotions it felt like. And it's just a weird, weird situation overall. You might not know the answer to this. Um, Is MSU expecting like a, is there a lot of students that aren't coming right now or is it kind of 
enrollment kind of where it is expected to be? Um, I think, I believe it's sometime around now, I guess coming up, um, probably in the next few days, I, I, I believe in a, probably closer to an official enrollment number should be coming. Um, I know over the summer there were some projections or, or, or different types of ideas that were, had been reported by, by the Chronicle, um, about, enrollment numbers being considered strong but it was unofficial at that point um and i know that it takes uh at least a couple weeks into the semester to have a better idea of exact enrollment numbers just because there's so much flexibility at the beginning of the semester of what's going on and you know students kind of dropping in and dropping out of classes you know just kind of shuffling shuffling some schedules around and so I, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's an exact number yet, um, but I believe that should be coming. Um, but like I said, I know over the summer, there were some uh, projections that were kind of reported or um, just kind of an idea that was kind of floated around that enrollment would be somewhat similar to previous years, which, you know, obviously the past several years, the, the enrollment has, has continued going up at, at MSU. Uh, you know, over the past few years, and it's been a big, big aspect of the school's growth. And you know, you think about Bozen's growth, and and, and MSU and Bozen are so so much tied together in that sense too. Um, so I, I don't know the exact answer yet, um, but I believe that, like I said, I believe that should be should be coming. Well, hopefully, it's uh, somewhere where they're anticipating because uh, you know, MS, like you said, MSU's been growing so much; it's such a big part of the financial success of the MSU and part of the reason I think that they could survive a season without fall sports or football is because they have positioned themselves just as a university doing so well. So it's good to hear that hopefully uh, they were positive projections, at least in the summer. So interesting to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think you're, you're right that, you know, just considering the momentum that, that MSU had in previous years leading up to this point. Um, and, and we talk about, you know, the, the, financial effects of everything going on, on on athletics and you know it's like times 10 or or times how times x you know however much you know when you think about the university overall sure. and you know like you said about just you know msu had positioned itself been in a good spot um you know pre pre-pandemic well the big news that came out recently was obviously the move of the football season to the spring we're going to get into some of that um our very first question on that is just, do you know the vibe of the football team? We asked you about the vibe on campus. And now we're going to move kind of into the football talk. So how's the team feeling about the, the prospect of playing a meaningful season in the spring? Yeah, good question. And I guess my first thing would be, I'm sure that every player has um, different sorts of mixed emotions potentially. and you know, maybe at first their initial thought might, might be different than what they feel now a few weeks removed. Um, but one thing that, that did stand out, you know, was when, when the announcement happened, um, you know, I think there was probably some, some initial disappointment potentially just because, you know, you, you, you mark on your, on your calendar, you mark, you know, September 5th season opener, um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, you mark that so far out in advance and, you know, that's kind of a date that, you know, everyone kind of shoots for in the off season and everything like that. And, but I think there was a sense of uniformity in the sense of like, now the players can have another thing to shoot for. And if they had began the season or tried to begin the season and, you know, here we are sitting here in, in late August, um, there would still be some serious questions and serious doubts of can it be finished and what happens if they have to cancel games or shut down games or things kind of get weird in the middle of the season and it kind of blows the whole thing up and it would just be very challenging to have to navigate that. And mm-hmm. so I think the players were understanding that while it may not be ideal to play in the spring, at least they have a better chance of having a more complete season. Um, and I know there's still a lot of skepticism about playing in the spring. And I think a lot of that skepticism is extremely warranted, but, and, and all these same, and all these same problems could still exist uh, in the spring. Um, but at least there's maybe a little bit more of a, of a chance to, to get through a full season and, um, to, to be able to follow along with, especially one of the big things to keep in mind is the, the requirements from the NCAA regarding testing was really a big factor in the big skies, um, decision to, to, to move football to the spring, um, just financially to be able to afford that testing. Um, I know that Montana state AD Leon Costello said he felt like MSU would have been able to handle those requirements. Uh, but a lot of other schools, maybe, uh, maybe not. So we'll have to see how things go. Um, but I think players were a combination, you know, I think they had a combination of feelings of, of being disappointed and, and also maybe perhaps understanding. And, um, you know, and I, and I think, I think the big thing too, to keep in mind is like the decision to play in the spring wasn't necessarily spring versus fall but maybe more of like spring versus not at all, um, hmm. you know, and, and once fall became unrealistic or, or not possible, then spring became the, the next best option. And I think, I think a lot of players maybe understood that um, wh- when that did happen is, you know, at least now there's a chance and there's something else to shoot for. And I guess maybe we'll get into it, but the spring definitely poses its <laughs> the spring definitely poses challenges too. So yeah, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about the the spring here in a minute. <laughs> it's definitely a whole topic on its own. But uh, before we get to that, though, I do you kind of talked a little bit about uh, Leon Costello thinking that you know MSU could afford the testing, and that's certainly something that you know we'd thought about is like well, clearly there's some schools in the Big Sky that aren't as financially well off as the Montana schools or maybe even Weber state, you know, but, uh, did you get a sense maybe from Leon or even Jeff Choate on their thoughts on kind of, uh, the season kind of the same thing, like their thoughts on bringing the season to spring or did they want to play in the fall? Like, was that something they were shooting for? Um, did you kind of get an idea of that? Yeah. One of the big things that Leon Costello repeated throughout the summer was that he wanted MSU to have something to play for. And the reason 
what that what he meant by that was essentially you know a, a shot at playing in the FCS playoffs, and you know a shot at winning a conference title and a shot at you know p- competing for a national title. And the reason that, that that I think that was something that really stood out um, as a big factor was just because you know the NCAA had that had that fifty percent line of that threshold of you know if if there's less than fifty percent of the teams playing then there would be no NCAA sponsored postseason. And so passing so, the buck. So then everyone, everyone was kind of, you know, doing that math in their head, you know, and, and you know, people were tweeting about, you know, trying to count up the number of teams, you know, who's in, who's out. And, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought it, uh, it kind of sounded to me, it reminded me, it's like, you know, if you're ever in that, in that group chat, you know, and, and you got like nine guys to, you know, nine people to, to play like a pickup basketball game and, and you're trying to find the 10th guy, you know, to run full court, you know, it's like, it was like the big sky was like, you know, maybe that 10th player. And then the big sky went down and took the whole FCS with it. And, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, it became clear at that point, you know, that with the, with the chance of the playoffs moving to the spring. And so, um, you know, that was a big factor because I, I think MSU still believed that they, maybe could have played and and whether that means if if there was an independent schedule or um you know other other things involved like you know a week before the big sky conference moved the season of the spring you know leon costello was putting out a statement saying that they were looking to fill the non-conference games that they lost you know they were looking to fill those games and so that you know Pretty close to when it got moved, Costello was looking to add games, or that's what, at least what he said in that statement, you know. Um, so, you know, I think we've all known for a long time that that playing college football this fall was going to be a, a really big challenge, and so we've known that for a while, and ultimately that's what what occurred. But you know, just the breakdown of how it all shook out. Um, having something to play for was, was a big factor just because, you know, the, the idea of maybe going independent or trying to cobble together a schedule. Um, ultimately that, that wasn't the way that, that MSU wanted to go. Um, you know, just because like I said, they, they, they wanted to have something to play for. So that's not on the table still. Cause you know, North Dakota state recently added a game against central Arkansas. So they're playing exactly one game this fall. So just when you think like, NDSU, like they're not playing any games. They say they're not going to play any games. Boom. They scheduled a game. Is that, is that on the table at all? Or is it completely done for MSU? Even just I, a one-off I, one game that means nothing. Like it doesn't count against your eligibility. I don't, I have no idea how it counts towards any standings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. MSU, MSU has said they're not, they're not playing any games this fall. So okay. that, that kind of, that kind of settles that. They may, have some practices. I know they, they had, I think it was four practices of what would have been considered like a preseason type practice, you know, or, or, uh, you know, fall camp, um, essentially, but, you know, they called that off after four days. And, um, even on the, the fourth day of that, uh, you know, it wasn't a very intense practice. It was, um, you know, they're just kind of, you know, doing some walkthrough type stuff. And, um, they may, they may start practice back up, um, because, you know, if you think back to the, this past spring, you know, Montana State didn't have any, 
practices, uh, you know, any spring ball practices. So, so they may, you know, maybe start practice back up, um, and kind of use this as spring ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that may be a possibility, but they're not, they won't be playing any games. So uh, for right now, the spring is scheduled for just a conference slated schedule. Would that conference slated schedule be the same as it is penciled in for the fall? Um, good question. I, I don't. I don't know specifically. I mean, I, I don't know if the. <laughs> I don't know if the copy and paste model is uh, really applies, or maybe it does. I, you know, I, I don't know um, the answer to that. I know that um, in figuring out the Big Sky schedule and and specifically the timeline of the Big Sky schedule. Um, Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersill said uh, in a press conference, part of that depends on when the FCS playoffs would be and then working backwards from that point. So, you know, if, if the FCS playoffs start, uh, you know, at the beginning of May, let's, again, this is a hypothetical. I, you know, I don't know necessarily how, how feasible this would be. And, and um, the timeline is, is also going to be an issue just between the timeline of, playing in the spring and then turning around and playing in the fall. So, so um, this may not be, you know, this may not be necessarily realistic, but let's say just for the purposes of this hypothetical, the FCS playoffs start at the beginning of May and let's say it's a 16 team tournament and they target a Memorial day weekend type championship game. Um, So you work backwards from there uh, from the beginning of May, if you want to play eight games that takes, you know, two months. So that would mean having to start play either like late February, early March, sometime in that range to be able to get your games in and then, uh, you know, be able to have, have that completed by the start of the FCS playoffs. But the, a big factor in in deciding the timeline is going to be, uh, the, when the FCS playoffs start, um, so I I don't know the answer to your question, but on a side note, that is that is something else to to keep in mind. Ugh, spring football in Montana, ugh, gonna be cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I don't know I don't know how um, it would work. I mean, I know there's there's on one hand, you know, if if they made a deep playoff run, you know, it's cold in November and December, um, you know, but obviously at that point in the season, a lot of times your practices are probably going to be shorter and, you know, you're really just fine tuning and probably doing a lot of walkthroughs at that point in the season. It's much different when you're talking about trying to ramp up toward a season, um, trying to navigate that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it'll all, how it'll all work. And, um, you know, like I said before, there's a lot of skepticism. A spring season could even work for two reasons stand out is just because one is we don't know if the virus situation is going to be better between now and then. So all the same issues that football teams would have ran into this fall could still be equally as prevalent in the spring. Um, Now, obviously, that that could be not the case if, you know, there's uh, improvements in terms of testing capacity and, you know, the, the prices, the costs involved and how quickly you can get those results back and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the other issue 
is just that turnaround from the spring to the fall. And, you know, if they play in the spring, how much does that potentially compromise the fall of 2021? And I know something Jeff Choate said was he was very adamant that he does not want to sacrifice the fall of 2021 just to squeeze in a, you know, a half-baked spring season. Would that be, if, if the Big Sky Conference is a go, what would happen if like a school like Montana State just said, no, I'm not going to play in the spring? Do you have, have any idea what, what, that, what would happen in that scenario? Can schools basically opt out of the conference schedule? I, I think they could potentially. Um, one, of the, one of the first things, actually, you know, when you think back to this past spring, um, you know, as it, or maybe it was the beginning of the summer. I, I don't know. I can't remember the timing exactly. But the Big Sky came out with a thing where they said schools could be autonomous in their decisions. Um, and the reason I remember that being important was because at the time, you know, a place like California was in a much different place than than Montana. And so I thought that made a lot of sense at the time because it's not necessarily fair to other schools in the conference if if Sac State can't play, right? If Sac State can't play, that's Sac State's problem, you know, and, and shouldn't necessarily hold back the rest of the conference. Um, this, this sounds like, you know, obviously it, it's a little bit different in the hypothetical you laid out just because this is kind of more of like a by choice thing. Um, but I think it is similar in the sense, um, you know, that, that I think I, I and I don't know for sure. I, I you know, I, I can't say with any certainty. I don't think we, any of us really know, uh, you know, all the specifics of, of how this all would work, but I think there would be a possibility that, you know, if a school didn't want to go, um, I don't necessarily know if, you know, I don't think they'd be, be forced to. Um, and now that would, I mean, <laughs> it would be awkward in the spring, but I mean, the spring is going to be awkward one way or the other. So it'd probably be a potential advantage if you think ahead to the fall of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Paul, we have like one more question on the football season and it really, it comes down to, uh, what is the NCAA saying in terms of eligibility? Let's say if spring ball doesn't happen and there's no football this year. Yeah, so the NCAA gave everyone, every fall sport athlete, uh, you know, an extra year of eligibility. So, um, you know, if there's, if there's no games played or if there are games played either way, um, you know, I guess it, it wouldn't necessarily count as like a year of eligibility or they'd have an extra year of eligibility, um, which is um, a really interesting starting point for the NCAA. And now it's kind of up to, up to the schools to figure out ways to make it work um, just because that, that poses a lot of challenges and there's probably going to need to be more legislation about scholarship restrictions and, and, and the numbers and, you know, how they could make it work. And, you know, I know a point that Jeff Choate has made is, um, you know, they, between their juniors and seniors, if everyone in both those classes come back, they would have 44 seniors in the fall of 2021. 
So, you know, that's, uh, you know, norm, you know, that, that number would normally be like half as many, you know, mm-hmm. or less. Um, and so that's a really big chunk to have all at once in one class. Um, and also you also have to keep in mind the incoming recruits. Um, you know, I don't know if they're planning on maybe having a smaller recruiting class this cycle, just because they know they're going to be having so much come back. You know, I don't know how they're necessarily managing that. Um, but that's another thing to keep in mind. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with, like I said, the, the numbers on the roster limits would, um, potentially have to be, you know, kind of just shuffled around because, you know, you're talking about, you know, instead of having a hundred players, you know, maybe you have 120 and it just gets really weird in that gray area. Um, so, and, and, and the, the idea that Jeff Choate put out was, you know, maybe you just have it cascading down that, you know, it, it's a three or four year process that it takes to, to get the numbers back to where they would have been pre pandemic. Um, but it would take that long just to scale out, um, you know, the effects of kind of this having two classes at once. I mean, college athletics is so built around the premise of like your seniors graduate and move on. And that's how you build your roster. Um, and so this would just totally throw a wrench in that. And so, um, it's kind of, challenging for schools i think probably to 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 sort through that and you know obviously it would be really unfortunate if the if the ncaa didn't come out with that rule about the allowing eligibility allowing everyone an extra year of eligibility so that's a that's a great starting point but you know then it, it comes it comes with a lot of other issues that schools need to figure out on their own no it's absolutely the right thing to do i mean if you're gonna basically cancel a season you have to give players an extra year of eligibility uh but yeah it's going to create lots of problems for schools i read read an article i don't remember where i read it but potential trickle down where the fbs guys who may be squeezed out are going to look for a new home transfer to maybe fcs programs it's going to like just squeeze guys out possibly just because of jamming up the classes so uh not entirely sure how that's all going to work out but it's very interesting and and i do believe it was the right decision by the NCAA to grant that eligibility. Right. And like you said, it's just, it's just this weird trickle down effect of people getting squeezed out and obviously recruiting, you know, incoming recruits being affected. And it's just, it's just, there's a lot of sort of side effects uh, of this. But then you got like, uh, I guess Troy Anderson was going to redshirt anyway, but now he theoretically would have another redshirt year. Is that how that would work? Right. I don't know. It, yeah, exactly. So like there's, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's like some weird, <laughs> there's some weird gray area in that too. So if, if he plays like two games in the spring gets, gets hurt, he gets <laughs> red shirt again. Oh uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh goodness. Kevin Thompson's going to play forever at this rate. And I know that Eight much. year of eligibility. <laughs> yeah. Making history right there. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, hey, Paul, we're going to move into our Golden Coolie questions. Um, if you don't know about our Golden Coolies, we have these sweet Golden Coolies, and uh, we open it up to the Bobcat Nation, the, the Twitter sphere, our, our newly debuted uh, website. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But uh, some guys uh, 
wrote you a question and uh, they're <laughs> just for you, Paul. So we have three of them. The first one comes from, uh, I hope I see this right. Well, the, the first one we kind of already talked about, that was the, uh, is it possible? Well, actually, I guess, yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and read it. I don't know how to okay. say his name. Yeah. Either. Good luck. Yeah. So Paul, you can answer this in brevity for, because you kind of covered it, but it's from Wap Wap. Petey, Wapiti, I think I say that right. Yeah, that's what I would have said. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry if I've got that wrong. Here it is. I saw in the news that NDSU and Central Arkansas were scheduling a game this fall. Might MSU schedule a few games this fall? Even if it was a scrimmage game against one of the lower divisions, lower division teams in Montana. Yeah, so kind of, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but he threw a little extra question there maybe an NAIA game? Uh, so this would not happen, at least based on what MSU has said up to this point. Kind of what I figured the answer would be there. Kind of, yeah, kind of covered it. So, all right. Well, this one has nothing to do with football. <laughs> this is from WBTFG. Uh, I know him personally, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, and ask the question. Um, he wants to know what your favorite holiday appetizer is. <laughs> Holiday. All right. Well, first of all, okay. The lot, lot to, lot to sort through on this one because I got to figure out first favorite holiday. You know, what what counts yeah. the holiday appetizer? That's that's a very good question. I assume he meant like Thanksgiving, but that could very well be an Easter dinner too. Yeah, Christmas. I. Christmas. You know, I. Uh, yeah, or Christmas. Yeah, there you go. I. Okay. I don't know why, but this is the first thing that popped in my head. So that means that's the answer. I gotta go with. Um, I would have to go with uh, pigs in a blanket on Fourth of July. <laughs> nice, I like that a lot. That's a good I'm answer. So confused, like, is do pigs in a blanket on Fourth of July go together? Is I feel like I mean, pigs any, in a blanket any, go together? Any, maybe with any Christmas iteration of a hot dog on Fourth of July, I think counts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I won't argue that, Paul. Are you talking like pancakes here? No, like you know, like the little hors d'oeuvres. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, when I worked at, I worked at a short order cook, and we definitely had like pigs in a blanket. That was like breakfast sausage and a pancake, which is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you like roll it up into a pan in the pancake and just make like, a yeah, little pancake the, uh, burrito. That that's a MacGyver version of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. talking about like the flaky pastry with the little uh, cocktail weenie in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, no, those are great. Delicious. We have those every single Super Bowl ever. Those are always Delicious. on the menu. Oh, okay, hey, you could, yeah, that counts as a Super Bowl appetizer. That's a holiday, too. Uh, I was actually thinking holiday, <laughs> and I might have to go with jalapeno poppers, just based on Super Bowl holiday would be my answer, jalapeno poppers. I love those things. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, you said Super Bowl, you know, I don't know, this is this is a little outside the box, but niche for your your audience, I guess, you know, you know, uh, I would say nothing really beats, you know, that, you know, waking up on, on the morning of Cat Grizz and drinking a nice cup of hot chocolate. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. That is a huh. holiday for sure. Absolutely. It's a holiday. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> if you're really holiday that you need some peppermint schnapps in it, though. <laughs> well, I got to work on Cat Grizz. <laughs> Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, Paul. All right. This one comes from Bobcat99 on Bobcat Nation. Wants to know Paul's thoughts on MSU atmosphere versus Syracuse atmosphere for football. 
for football specifically? Yes, yep, football that's what only. He said, for football specifically. I would say MSU is superior, and I'll explain why. Um, because when you have a packed stadium, the atmosphere is better. <laughs> um, and so the Carrier Dome in, in Syracuse holds uh, around 50,000 people uh, for football games, and, and their average attendance is, um, well, they... They fudge their attendance sometimes, but uh, they, you know, that, you know, a lot of, you know, there were a lot of games when I was in college um, where they had 35,000 people, um, maybe some games with more, maybe some games with less, but um, definitely a lot of, a lot of empty seats a lot of times. And um, so, and Syracuse was not, not that good. I mean, they're still a middling ACC team, which I don't really know where that gets you or what that really accomplishes uh you know just given the fbs bowl structure um but uh yeah i mean the i mean the the difference i would say you know in in basketball you know you know men's and women's basketball well actually women's basketball would be different um you know the atmosphere at the brick for women's basketball is really good um and um you know syracuse didn't have as much support for women's basketball, which was really unfortunate considering they, they, they've had some really good teams. Um, but men's basketball wise, I mean, the carry dome is, is, you know, filled up, you know, they, it holds 35,000 people for, for men's basketball. And, you know, they, you know, you only have half the, half the stadium available. So, and it, and it gets really loud and um, it's really, I mean, well, I, I have issues with the, carry dome environment for for basketball just because the the seats are so far away from the court um you know so it pales in comparison to a lot of other you know classic college basketball venues but um the the for football specifically um you know when you have a packed stadium it 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 beats uh, a not packed stadium so that would be that would be my my take on that is there even anywhere to tailgate that's not concrete um, parking lot yeah, weird, weird issue with uh, Syracuse University's campus is, I mean, it was great as a student because uh, the carry dome was like literally right in the middle of campus, um, like in between like dorms and classrooms. Um, That's pretty cool, actually. But but the issue is there's not a ton of parking options. And so a lot of fans um, actually park like a mile down the road and take a shuttle bus. Um, and so it. I don't know when you have to when you have to take a shuttle bus in between your tailgate spot and the venue uh, kind of takes away from it a little bit, I would say. Um, and I mean, there, there's some really dedicated people and especially in that in that area in central New York, um, you know, uh, uh, basketball specifically, like people like live and breathe like Syracuse basketball. Um, and, and there's probably just as much tailgating for for basketball games as there is for football sounds good well i appreciate you answering some of the the questions from the bobcat of our listeners here so you're a good yeah, sport. great great <laughs> questions shout out to the listeners good questions they brought the heat <laughs> all right paul well why don't you tell uh, everyone where we can where, where they can find you uh listen to your or i guess follow your work on twitter follow i uh, read your articles all that good stuff yeah uh best place to to read our coverage from uh from me and, and as well as sports editor Colton Poole, uh, Bozeman Daily Chronicle.com, uh, you know, clicking on the sports tab, 
there. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Pschweds, at P S C H W E D S. And Colton is at C at Seapool Reporter on Twitter. So uh, those are the some of the best places to uh, to find us. And always feel free to get in touch. I uh, should add that as well. Always enjoy getting in touch with people. And if they ever have any questions, uh, feel free to, to reach out. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Paul. Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your day to come onto our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Paul. Well, all right. Well, that was Paul Schwedelson of the Bozen Daily Chronicle giving us kind of his insights and his knowledge and expertise on basically what's been happening from the NCAA cancellation, the Big Sky Conference, and uh, most importantly to maybe us and to the listeners here, just kind of his pulse on the team inside, like Leon Costello, Jeff Choate's kind of thoughts on the matter, something that maybe not all of us knew, or certainly I didn't know some of the stuff. So it was really good to have him come on and kind of just explain some things. So Thorny, the one question that we that we need to talk about is, do you think the NCAA made the correct decision? Well, I, this is such a hard question because I don't even know if they made a decision. So ba- <laughs> basically, I think a better question is probably did the Big Sky Conference make the correct decision? I, I apologize. I did write the NCAA on our little show notes here. The NCAA did not hardly make a decision. They basically just passed the buck over to the conferences and made them choose and then said, all right, well, we'll do a championship if 50% of you decide to play. So I'm not sure I'd call that a decision necessarily, but the, at least it was some semblance of a plan. But as far as the Big Sky Conference goes and canceling the season, unfortunately, I do think that they probably did make the right decision. And I can elaborate on that, but I want to get kind of your thoughts first. Well, I, I agree with you. I think the Big Sky made the correct decision. I think erring on the caution of safety in this circumstance is the best way to go about this. I mean, I, what, whatever you think about the coronavirus in the pandemic is kind of irrelevant. I mean, it is, it is something that is affecting our nation, and it, and it's true that it passes pretty rapidly um, and fairly efficiently. So uh, to make the choice to postpone fall, I mean, that's, it's a huge decision to make, but I know it wasn't one that they came, uh, it came easily for anybody, especially the NCAA. I mean, obviously they were punting the decision to, uh, the conferences, but yeah, Thorny, I agree with you, man. This was, this was the correct choice. I, I don't think there's going to be spring football because I just don't think this will be, um, solved by then. Um, and, and another thing, and just in my own personal, my personal beliefs, like I don't think having spring football, a season in the spring would be good for the fall of 2021. So that that's what I, I kind of stand on right now. There's a lot to unpack there, but, uh, I'll give you kind of my thoughts real quick here. I, I do agree. And, uh, there's just so many decisions or so many factors going into the decision. Like if you're just even take the virus safety concerns aside, how are schools supposed to pay for the testing? Like it's mm-hmm. expensive to get tests. You have to do it every single game you do. The turnaround time on them required. It's just literally very cool to some schools, certainly in the conference, not as a financial position as the Montana schools or anything like that. And, you know, honestly, if someone were to contract the virus and die playing football for a school, 
you don't want to have that press. You don't want to have that happen. Obviously, that's tragedy, and you don't want any potential lawsuits that would come from that. It's just a liability issue to me. Like that's one of the big things I think people kind of gloss over is like the liability. Like you don't want to be the school that has it, and you don't want to have to deal with the lawsuits that could come out of something like that. So I think just all sorts of aspects like that. I just think you, there's just no way you can really safely play the game for your player safety for your school financial safety it's just it just seemed like an impossible task yeah it's not ideal for any of us for the fans for the coaches for the players but it's uh it's necessary for us to get back to where we want to be it's breaking my heart that's for sure like yeah. you said big hole in the heart that needs to be filled by football what am i going to do it's kind of like lately, right? You've been thinking about like, man, I should be getting some updates on fall camp and getting ready to go to uh, Gold Rush and getting jazzed for the season. It's just a little bit of a letdown, man. It's been hard. It's like uh, Paul was talking to us before we started recording that Jeff Choate's man routine. Well, this is my routine, man. This is the time of year where I start thinking about football. I start gearing up for it. And then, bleh, derailed. Well, you and I are here for the long haul. And so we will try to keep... Uh, any news that comes out, making podcasts for you guys to listen to. And so I hope that you stay with us through the quarantine and the off season. <laughs> yeah, we got some ideas for some content. We got uh, a couple episodes we want to record, maybe kind of a favorite player, best player of all time, or maybe even just our time. And then an ep- like uh, offense, defense, and then maybe just some other best of time things like what's our favorite game, what's our favorite catch. What's your favorite run of all time by an MSU player? There's lots of stuff we can talk about, but uh, we'll be we'll be trying to bring some content throughout this time to maybe fill the hole in everyone's heart that has been vacated. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, last order of business for today is uh, our golden coolie questions, and so we uh, solicited golden coolie questions for this episode. And again, you can submit those golden coolie questions to Bobcat Nation. There will be a reposting of a thread there. Um, but uh, you can also hit us up on the Twitter machine. That's RRCatCast. And also through our um, our new launch website, which is RRCatCast.com. Uh, there is a form in there and you can submit those and then we'll pick one and uh, I will be sending you one of the golden coolies. So let's get right into it. River Cat from Bobcat Nation says if the betting odds were three to one that there will not be an eight game big sky season next spring, how would you bet? And he qualifies this. He said, if you bet a hundred dollars that there won't be a spring season and you win, you get 133 back. If you bet a hundred dollars that there will be a spring season, you will get 300 back. Thorny, how are you going to answer that? You know what? I'm going to have to, I like the long shot odds of that, but I'm going to have to still take the safe money here and and I'm going to probably bet that there will not be an eight game big sky spring season. I might qualify to say that I don't think MSU will be playing that as, as we kind of, I asked Paul there at some point, uh, if MSU could potentially opt out, even if the big sky proceeded ahead with Jeff Choate's kind of just his thoughts on not wanting to, ruin a potential 21 2021 fall season by play like by putting players at risk or short turnaround whatever for kind of a just half-assed spring season um if any school is going to opt out probably would be jeff choate and the bobcats so 
I just don't think that the Bobcats will be playing spring football, at least not an eight-game season. Might play a couple games, a couple scrimmages, or a couple money games or something, but I don't think they'll be playing eight games. Yeah, I don't see it happening. And I, I agree with you that that's the the correct way to bet this, but I'm going opposite. I'm going for the big money. I want to triple my money. I'm going, I'm betting there will be a spring season because if I'm putting a hundred down, you know, okay. If I get 133 back, was it really worth it? But if I get 300 back, it's totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're going straight like that, if you're talking about like hundred dollars one way or the other, not, not a lot of money necessarily. So, but uh, yeah, I'm still taking that $33. all right river cat next one is 94 vegas cat from bobcat nation of the 2020 seniors on the roster how many of them will stay on for 2021 so before we answer this question i also want to say that our buddy pete on twitter asked us pretty much the same question if there's no spring season um are there any seniors you see for going the extra year granted by the NCAA? So pretty much the same question. If you notice, I timestamped them. I went and looked exactly when they were timestamped. So if we do pick this question, I think we have to give it to Vegas Cat. Pete already got it. Golden Cooley. Yeah. He might he might be generous enough to defer that over to Vegas Cat anyway. So <laughs> All right. Well, uh I was looking through the list of seniors and unfortunately I've been having computer issues recording here. I don't have it in front of me. But I really did not see or think of anybody that I thought would potentially opt out. The only guys I could think of were guys that had maybe been in the program. The This would be going on like their sixth year and they hadn't got any hardly any playing time. Guys that were just kind of on the bench. Maybe someone like that would just kind of hang the cleats up. I know someone uh, someone kind of did that, right? Like, uh, was it Andy Austin? Does that name ring a bell? Yeah. I think he left the program for like his junior or senior year, didn't he? It was like a walk-on. I think he just went to focus on school. Maybe he graduated or something like that. So, I mean, there's there's precedent there. And it, it, you're basically just riding along for being a punching bag in like a, in camp and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to leave. I just kind of think the culture that Jeff Choate has built, I don't see guys like opting out to go pursue FBS transfers or anything like that. So I don't see anyone for going either opting out of football or transferring somewhere. I just, I don't really see it. Unless it's, like I said, maybe some guy who wasn't seeing any playing time. Well, do you think it could be maybe they would want to go to the NFL? I don't foresee any of the seniors getting a, a, that um, good of an opportunity to go to the NFL by, by basically declaring early in a way. Yeah. No, I think it goes back to the culture thing. I think the culture is so strong at Montana State right now that... uh it's like the family, like you don't want to leave your brothers. And so it would be hard for me to see anybody opting out rather than uh, maybe someone who is a strong academic or like you said, maybe he's just not getting enough playing time, might want to test the water somewhere else. But uh, no, no one comes to the top of my mind. No, I can't see any one of the uh, projected starters not playing football in fall 2021. The one, though, the most, the most, probably the most uh, famous Bobcat right now, Troy Anderson, would be one to consider. I mean, could probably, not probably, he certainly could flourish on an FBS program. Would he take that chance? That's a, that's a good question. I don't think he would. I, if someone came calling, I'm sure someone has come calling. I, 
I'm guessing he's been courted or has received some interest for some FBS programs. But, you know, I just don't see Troy Anderson leaving Montana football, just like playing football in Montana. I just don't see that him leaving that for an NFL chance when he, and really his, with his injuries the last few years, he just hasn't had like a complete season for a while. And I think he still would have more to prove if he wanted to be able to just easily transition to the NFL. So I don't see him doing that, but uh, I, I guess he would probably be one of the highest candidates of guys uh, that are protected starters. Yeah, I just think he loves Montana State too much. At least I believe that in my heart. <laughs> that, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> Did you see that uh, cool video that uh, MSU Bobcat football put out today? Man, they have some good edits, don't they? Yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar, it's one where it's a compilation of Troy Anderson doing Troy Anderson things, and I'm not familiar with the movie. Are, do you know what movie that is? No, I, I, no, I have I no idea what it was, but it was a, just a funny, like he can kick, he'll go, he'll go wash your clothes and do your laundry. <laughs> oh, and the very end, oh, he can throw too, and they finally show the very last clip is Troy Anderson throwing, throwing touchdown to Travis Johnson. So it was a pretty good video. It was in response to um, Sam Herter saying Troy Anderson is the best number 15 in the country. Uh, put out that tweet. He's been doing the countdown of the best number players wearing that number around the number 15. So that's a pretty good tweet. But uh, it's just Troy Anderson news there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like your saying Troy Anderson doing Troy Anderson things. But what else is there to say about it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Last Golden Cooley question. Bozone Cat from Bobcat Nation. And this is a this is a good one. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around, does Robbie Houck get credited for another tackle? Absolutely he does. He might even get uh, a sack on that one. I don't know. If if the if the if the tree was behind the line of scrimmage, it's a sack. <laughs> I was, I was going to say he's splitting it with Dante Olsen. <laughs> yeah, Dante Olsen is still getting tackles credit. Like, the ticker's still going up. He's got the Dante Olsen effect. But that, that, now that Dante Olsen is graduated, uh, we, we got to pick on someone else for their um, higher-than-you-might-be-expected tackle count. So, Hauk is the one. Yeah, he's going to be the, the subject of the, the butt of the jokes of all season about the oh, tackle yeah. counts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Thorny. Those are our golden coolie questions. Thanks for submitting those. Uh, I have, I have mine. I'm going to choose. Uh, are, do you think you got one? Uh, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, I'm going to go with 94 Vegas Cat of the 2020 seniors on the roster. How many of them will stay on for 2021? It's a good question. That was going to be my pick. I was wondering if you'd go for the com- comedy angle with the Bozone Cat, Robbie Howe question, but uh, no. We're, I think. The Vegas Cat wins this one, and let's give him a round of applause. It's been a while. Woo, Vegas Cat! Well done, buddy. <laughs> and it's therapeutic to do that clapping and hollering there. We haven't uh, done a Cooley Award in a while. Oh man, when was the 94. last time? It's been it's been well probably six months. I feel it feels like that long. <laughs> well, good job, Vegas Cat. Appreciate the question. Appreciate all the questions as always. Like, just appreciate you guys listening and. And just sticking with us through these not-so-fun football times. All right, Thorny, take us out, buddy. All right, well, once again, I want to thank Jeremiah Johnson Brewing for being our sponsor. I also want to say, if you haven't checked out our interview, we released, what was it, last week with Kevin Cassis. That was a good interview. 
Yeah. Um, check us out on Twitter. Like fully said, our cat cast, check out the new website, rrcatcast.com. And as always, please like rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff that people do with podcasts and whatnot. So, all right, Foyle, let's end this one with the Go Cats. Go Cats. All right. I got places to be.